Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Funny uh, joke I have this morning. I was listening to some of those and I was watching your faces going, oh my goodness. But I, I wondered what our forefathers' favorite drink was. Liberty. Okay, was that, was that okay one? That was a good one. Liberty. Celebrating freedom is the title of this morning's message. Now, I, I want to put a disclaimer on there just because of the times that we live in. We're going to use the words like freedom and slavery that happen to be in the Bible. And you need to interpret this message in light of the scripture, not with the lenses of the world. If you do that, then you will miss everything that God has to say to you. They do not have a corner on the market on these subjects. The word of God does. And so I pray that you will understand that, that this is not a reaction at all to what's going on in the world, but celebrating what's been happening for the last 245 years. God has set aside America for a reason. But let's talk about freedom, both scripturally and nationally. John 8.36 reminds us of this famous passage we've already quoted. So if the Son, that's Jesus, God in the flesh, sets you free, free from what? We were all in bondage to Satan. The whole world is in bondage to Satan. Every government is in bondage to Satan. There is no perfect government on this planet until the kingdom of God comes and God sets up shop in Jerusalem. Then and only then will we have a perfect king and a perfect government. Well, God does say something about nations in Proverbs 14, 34. Godliness makes a nation great, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Flash bulletin, our nation is not drowned in sin. The United States has the largest Christian population in the world, 76%. Of those in the United States claim to be Christians. Now we know, we understand, not everyone that professes the name is a part of that 76%. Another passage about nations Psalms 33 12. What joy for the nation whose God is Jehovah the Lord. That's us, whose people. He has chosen as his inheritance. That's both those born of Abraham's seed to the promised seed of Isaac and those that had believed the message through Abraham and the prophets. So today in America, individuals, groups of people, families have gathered together in churches, in backyards, in parks to celebrate our nation's freedom, our 245th birthday. Amen? Amen. Praise God for America. The greatest reasons for our celebration, 
I sent this text off to my kids because, again, I refuse to be silenced by the world. I want God's word to speak volumes to you and me. I don't get my cue from the world, but I get it from the word of God. More than any other country in the entire world since the dawning of the history of man, God has blessed America because of the gospel had a home. Here's what I wrote. More than any other country in the world, the gospel had a home. Beginning from our shores to around the world, America has proclaimed real freedom loud and clear. Millions upon millions have been set free because of God's favor on this land. There is no perfect people and no perfect place. If God waited for that, no one would have been set free. Just look at Israel. So do please hold your head high and sing with me. I'm proud to be an American and born in the USA. Thank God for your birth in this great country. And I'm so happy I'm born. Okay. That's by the way of introduction. We got some good stuff coming. The definition of freedom. The definition of freedom. Well, I looked it up on Google, which I don't like Google anymore because it seems to be so anti-American. The power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance and restraint. Hmm. Flash bulletin, there are some restraints. You cannot yell, fire, in an elevator. Spiritually now, spiritually, the meaning? All about the ability to choose religions. One of the most profound mysteries of life is how the natural realm and the spiritual realm operate so differently. The ultimate freedom that we're speaking about today is spiritual liberty in God. And this can only be experienced when a person abandons their carnal nature and allows Christ to become Lord and master of their lives. That's the real freedom that we need to speak on. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 expounds on that a little bit further. You're familiar with this passage. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I can tell people walking all over the dusty roads of America and see and watch those who live in freedom. So all those who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The best commentary on that verse, I just mentioned Romans 8, 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, a couple of examples of freedom found in the Bible as we're continuing thinking about spiritual freedom. How about the paralytic man that was healed? John 5, 5 through 9. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Wow. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Duh. I can't, sir, the sick man said. For I've bought in all the superstitions of the world. That is, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. 
Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told them, notice he ignores some of our statements and questions, just like he did Nicodemus. Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. He didn't have to do a dance. He didn't have to sing for 15 minutes. He didn't have to yell and scream. He just said, stand up and walk. If God's going to do a healing through you or through this church, you don't have to do a dance. Just speak if God has told you to speak. And that's what he did. Instantly, this man was healed. He rolled up a sleeping mat and began walking around. He was free, free from being a prisoner in this body that could do nothing. There were so many illustrations I had. I had to remove them because I had so much to say this morning. But I think about spiritual freedom found in Saul, who was renamed Paul. Like so many people today around the world, tortured, imprisoned, and murdered believers. Yes, I'm talking about the Apostle Paul, who's wrote, written most of the New Testament past, uh, books in the Bible. He was miraculously freed, born again, saved, his name written in the book of life when he was on the road to Damascus. He became one of the biggest proclaimers of the gospel to the whole world. Many around the world have been saved because of Saul, renamed Paul. They were set free. That's why we never give up, by the way, praying for our leaders in our country. We need to pray for some miraculous experiences like the Apostle Paul. Now, that's spiritually speaking. What are some reasons to celebrate? Or why are the... What are some of the reasons for celebrating being an American? Well, our forefathers laid the foundation to make this a great free nation. Other nations, foundations, and purposes differ greatly from ours. So in order to understand why we celebrate our freedom, we, had, we have to contrast a little bit with some things that are going on now and in the past. And so I want to show this little two-minute clip that kind of let you understand why we celebrate our freedom. Your opinions and your actions have consequences. And I understand if you support Chavez and then, uh, and then Maduro, and then Rene Gogan on that and go, look, I was wrong, I was incorrect, that was a mistake on my part. But they seem to have no desire to, and they're still peddling this socialist agenda. And when you have someone like Ash Sarkar come on, good morning Britain and say the words I am literally a communist and then people tweeting about how that is somehow you know worthwhile and noble and something that should be sh supported it I find it quite frankly terrifying because unless you grow up in that country unless you have seen the evils of socialism and communism you really have no idea of what the impact that has on the society freedom of speech and the lives of your relatives and the lives of ordinary day-to-day -day people where People feel so terrified that they can't speak, that they live their life in permanent fear. I'll give you an example. A very good friend of mine who has now had to leave Venezuela, he now lives in America, he came over and, uh, to the UK and I hadn't seen him in a long time. And we sat down and we had dinner. Uh, it was him, myself, my parents. Both my parents are mid to late 70s now. They're elderly people. And they've known Henry since he was a baby. And we were talking. And... My dad said to him, Henry, could you please speak up? I can't hear what you're saying. And Henry said to him, I'm very sorry, Jim. I will speak louder. It's just in Venezuela. We're so used to whispering. Mm. 
And I found that incredibly powerful. Living in a country where you are used to whispering. And then living in the UK for the last couple of years with Corbyn and seeing people going on TV saying, I'm literally a communist. Because to me, that is the ultimate goal of socialism and communism, is to make everybody the same. And how do you make everybody the same? You make everybody think the same. Mm. And how do you make everybody think the same? You destroy all opinions that are not your opinion. And it's, it's terrifying. And I never thought I'd say this as someone who has always been on the left, but... Mm. Can you relate? Do you remember last year? I remember last year having sometimes to whisper about what I believed about this country until the Spirit of God in you and in me told us not to be silent. Whispering about the freedoms that we enjoy. I know I talk to some people who will not say anything even in the pulpits across America today because they have been silenced because of their fear of political correctness and what other people would say. Listen, people say enough bad things about me. <laughs> Just pile it on because that's not what God thinks and that's not what you think and that's not what God's people think. The world's going to think they, the way they want to think. I can't change their mind. Only the Holy Spirit can. But we want a place where we can come and enjoy freedom. Amen. Amen? Freedom. We experienced that a year and a half ago when we on Mother's Day decided a disease we were not going to fear. Again, I understand it was real, just like any other diseases that we have throughout our country. And we have to take precaution. But overall, the fear that they proclaimed was not at all what they said it was, especially to our children who are not allowed to go into our schools. We knew it did not affect them. So we know there's something greater behind the scenes happening. Well, with that in mind, I want you to look at China just for a moment because they're in the news. I had so many countries, Russia, India, Iran, and I thought, let me take two countries and help you understand why I'm so glad I was born in America and God's purpose is for America. I don't know if you know it, but just on July 1st, China celebrated their 100th anniversary of the founding of the China Communist Party, the CCP. The feat was as grand as one might imagine, featuring a mass rally complete with military flyover and plenty of flag-waving patriotic songs. No complaints from the American press and media at all. Not even a whisper by the politicians, the stars, about their way of life. China's virus that hurt the world because of their lie. In fact, the pharmaceutical companies, the businesses, the politicians can't wait to get in bed with China for financial gain to its over 1.3 billion population. In the public arena, there is no press protest going on over there, over the atrocities against their citizens and the citizens of the world. Briefly, in 1949, the nationalists withdrew to Taiwan and Mao proclaimed the People's Republic of China. This is what he wanted to start. This is what he wanted to do. The founding member of the Chinese, uh, Chinese Communist Party, Mao Zedong, broke with the Marxist-Lenist thought by building up a Red Army. Here's what he did as he started his grand country 
Mao purged hundreds of thousands of counter-revolutionaries, redistributing land to peasants, land claimed to Tibet, and committed troops to battle to the United States in Korea. Then he promulgated the Great Leap Forward in which villagers were forced into communes in an attempt to increase agriculture and industrial output. Now listen to this. A colossal failure. It resulted in a famine that killed up to 45 million people from 1958 to 1962. Think of all the businesses that are in bed with China. Another 1.5 million or so died during the Cultural Revolution from 1966 to 1976. By the way, in America, since its founding, has barely over 1.1 million people have died in all of our wars put together. 500,000, which was during the Civil War. Mayo has remained the leader until 1976. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I live in America. I'm glad I'm an American. I'm glad I do not live under that regime. What about Cuba? Many of my friends, some here in our church, are from Cuba. Again, we're not bashing those who are born in those countries. We're bashing the regimes, what they're up to in their countries. Oh, I, I contacted my good friend, JC, I don't think he's here today, to find out what's happening in Cuba, because we support a missionary there. He has started a church, Ricardo. He has preached here in this pulpit. And here's, I think, what we found right now. Cuba's one-party communist state outlaws political pluralism, bans independent media, suppresses dissent, and severely restricts basic civil liberties. The government continues to dominate the economy despite recent reforms that permit some private sector activity. The regime's Un undemocratic character has not changed despite a general transition in political leadership between 2018 and 19 that included the introduction of a new constitution that has done absolutely nothing. The constitution identifies the CP or the Communist Party of Cuba as a superior driving force of society and the state. All other political parties are illegal. Political dissent is a punishable offense, and descendants are systematically harassed, detained, physically assaulted, and imprisoned for minor infractions. Supposedly, spontaneous mob attacks, known as the acts of repudiation, are often used to silence political descendants. I don't know about you again. I, for one, am glad that I'm an American and born in America. I'm glad for the freedoms that we enjoy and that we're not under that tyranny. Now let's turn the corner now to see where God had a different purpose than Satan for Israel and America. And yes, if it wasn't for God doing this, for his glory, the gospel would have stalled out in Israel and in America. Let's look at Israel. Remember, I want to remind you of this that I shared in our Bible class this morning. You must come from the perspective that the whole world is a Sebastian of evil and sinners. Satan was the prince of the air. He did have a right to offer these kingdoms to Jesus. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and he was under temptation. He offered him 
the kingdoms of this world without going via the cross. He had that authority. God gave it to them. Even though God is over all, for a short period of time, he was entrusted evidently with this planet. We see the job that he did. And so God decided he was going to do something in the Sebastian of sin. Every government, every individual is wicked. Remember, all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. So there is no righteous, perfect nation or government or people. But with that in mind, it's amazing what, what God can do in the midst of a cesspool of sin. Look what he's done in your life. Look what he's done in my life. Look what he can do as we look to Israel. Well, he selected Abraham to be the leader of Israel. Let's go to scripture and see what God had to say about Abraham and the nation he was about to establish. He said, for you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. And all the people of the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. Emphasize this. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. And in other places, it wasn't because of their righteousness. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. What was that? In Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Remember, God is ruler over all and he does establish nations. He said, in Genesis 12, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. God's in charge. He wanted them to have this land. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others via the cross. I will bless those who bless you. And curse those who treat you with contempt. That's why we're for Israel. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you via the cross. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I will give this land to your descendants. Well, in Acts 13, we're reminded that, that the God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors. Paul is speaking out loud to his listeners and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. Then with a powerful arm, he led them out of slavery. The Bible also says in some places, he put up with them, but he cared for them. And through 45 years of wandering in the wilderness, then he destroyed, they destroyed seven nations, killed Almost every man, woman, and child that were already living there that said it was their land, but the earth belongs to the Lord and everything on the earth and the fullness of thereof and all the silver and gold is mine, saith the Lord. And the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. They do not belong to man. They destroyed him. I wonder what our activists would say to God. Kind of reminds me of the book of Job that I'm going through. All these people that think they know God and can t dictate to God what he can do and can't do. But I want to remind you of something. Lest you look through the long lenses at God about Israel going in and destroying these nations. As you, as you glean from all of Scripture, we're reminded that God is patient. He is long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish. 
He allowed sin to just, we call it, maximize itself until there was nothing good left. So we believe God used Israel and their army to bring judgment and justice upon all these nations. Actually, all the world should be destroyed if it wasn't for the grace of God. All mankind would be destroyed if it wasn't for the grace of God. We have no boasting rights at all. But he gave them a chance, and evidently they refused, because remember in Romans 1 it says, the heavens declare the glories of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they bring forth knowledge. Night after night, they display their glory. There is nor speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So you see, the, the scripture teaches us that we're accountable. And God has put eternity in the hearts and minds of all men everywhere on the face of this earth so that we are without excuse. So he destroyed them. I'm saying this on purpose because of those who talk about the founding of America. Is Israel, they were not a perfect people. Americans, they're not a perfect people that came to this land. So would anybody tell God he was wrong for what he did and what he instructed Israel to do? Remember, God's purpose for Israel, that's the big picture. To train a nation to behave righteously so that the world could see there is only one God, Jehovah, Yahweh, and through his mighty deeds of deliverance from over 400 years of Egyptian bondage, what he had done in Israel's history has been told millions of times for thousands of years, the story of his mighty deliverance. No God can do what he did with Israel. And so the real reason in establishing Israel was to give birth of a Savior who would offer liberty and freedom from Satan and a privilege to sit at his banquet table in the kingdom. He offered this to the whole world, beginning in Israel, to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. So you see his purpose in establishing Israel. That's not the purpose of most of the nations all over planet Earth since its founding. Is America any different? Absolutely. You can see the handwriting on the wall. If you just will take off your glasses and look at the evidence, it is overwhelming, just like Jesus told all the unbelievers. Listen, if you don't believe what I'm saying, at least believe because of the miracles. Just look at what God has done for America. Let's look at America. I was looking up some reasons of why we broke away from Britain. Once again, why I don't want to use Google. Use Dogpile or something else. Here's what it said. America was a mistake. Abolition would have happened quicker and less bloodshed. Independence was bad for American Indians. And USA would have a better system if we had not broken away from Britain. That's what it said on one of the head pages in Google. Shame on you if you use Google. I still use Google once in a while still. <laughs> there appears to be many examples of God's favor towards America and his hand upon America, if you'll just look closely. We should not have been able to defeat Great Britain, the premier maritime and land power nation at the time of the revolution. Yet, we did. We were blessed with a unique set of circumstances that enabled us to expand 
from sea to shining sea in less than three quarters of a century. The amphibious landings in Normandy and the Korean War had the potential to be disastrous, but they were resounding victories. Remember, I believe, along with many people, we're living in the greatest country in the world. But what made this country great? Not all the credit goes to our forefathers, but rather to God, our Father in heaven, because it was he that instilled a belief within the hearts of our founding fathers and because of their willingness to embrace what he was instilling in them. They believed in him, and he determined that this country would be a shining city on a hill. Not man, he decided that. So that all that looked into America would find the gospel of grace and forgiveness like no other country that has ever existed on the planet. The gospel of Jesus Christ in the midst of a broken world. And it happened just as God planned. Just because Israel rejected God, as we're going to get to Romans 9, 10, and 11, they thought, well, did God's promises fail? No, and he explains to them that God had a plan for Israel. And his plan hasn't yet quite been fulfilled. He, had a, he has a plan for America. And it is being fulfilled. This country has sent missionaries all over the world proclaiming the good news of the gospel. Without a doubt, America has been under the Lord's blessings and protection from its very inception. I want to refer you to the book of Daniel to remind you of something very important. An experience by King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a narcissist and one of the greatest kings in that era, the king of Babylon. After Daniel pronounced judgment upon this king because of his pride, God made him into an animal for seven years. And here's what the scripture says in Daniel 4. Seven periods of time will pass, and you'll live this way like an animal, until you learn, media, politicians, stars, you must learn that the Most High rules over all the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anybody he chooses. I conclude, he said, we are blessed. I believe this. Because of God, because we believe him, we have been blessed more than any country that has ever existed because we have embraced God's plan. And it is exposed everywhere if you'll just take a look. Primarily, to worship God and evangelize the world. In the 1600s, England did not have religious freedom. The pilgrims were forced to leave England because they refused to follow the Church of England. So this holiday is much more than just hot dogs, cookouts, swimming and fireworks. The 4th of July is about a country founded, rooted, and established on Christian principles. Don't believe the lies of the world that... This is not the truth. You see, in keeping with tradition, I like to remind us of some of the words of our founding fathers, what they said in regard to this. Patrick Henry said this, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation, Patrick Henry, was founded not by religionists, but by Christians not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Have you ever heard that in our public school system from our politicians? How about George Washington, the first president of the United States of America? Do not let anyone claim tribute of an American patriotism if they even attempt to remove religion from politics. Boy, has the church swallowed this hook, line, and sinker in fear that they'll take away our tax exemptions. Let me ask you something. If they took that away from us, would you still give to God? Yes, we would. Let me repeat that again. Do not let anyone claim tribute of American patriotism if they even attempt to remove religion from politics. George Washington, farewell address to the nations. So you can see that despite what modern politicians, the contemporary media, or, or the history revisionists say, America was founded not on the concept of freedom to worship any god, Buddha, Allah, but on the freedom to worship Jesus Christ. All one has to do is look out and see that our first hospitals were founded by godly Christian men and women. Our first schools were founded by godly Christian men and women. The Bible was the textbook to learn English, and they're the ones that started the schools in America. Isn't it amazing, Congress and the Senate, and then the Supreme Court, or the President of the United States is sworn in using the Bible, and they try to say this country was not founded on Christianity. Let me remind you of the cost that many Americans forget about. The price of the freedom that you and me enjoy. Let me go back to Israel and remind you that the freedom that Israel enjoyed came at a great cost, not only to their country, but to other people. Do you remember when they were freed from slavery? Do you remember what happened? The firstborn from every Egyptian was killed, and the firstborn of every animal they had was killed. That came at a great cost. Remember, seven nations were wiped out, men, women, and children. It came at a great cost. They lost their creature, creature comforts when they were in bondage. And they even sometimes thought it was better to be in bondage because they enjoyed these creature comforts. They had to start all over in the wilderness with nothing. They, didn't even, they weren't even able to farm land and it forced them to call upon God who miraculously provided for them out of thin air. Meat and manna. It also came at a great cost to God's son. The death of our Messiah, our Savior. You see... God plans not like you and me plan. The Bible says, man plans, but God directs his steps. Your thoughts are not God's thoughts. Your ways are not God's ways. Just read the book of Job. 1 Corinthians 15.3 said, here's the real reason, again, the price that was paid. For what I received, that I passed on to you is first importance that Christ died for our sins. What a cost. According to scriptures, 
that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That was the cost for the freedom that Israel enjoyed and will one day again enjoy. It wasn't the kind of freedom they were looking for, but God gave them what they needed, just like a good parent gives to their child what they really need. What about the USA? What kind of price did we pay for our freedom? The Declaration of Independence was the birth certificate for this nation. But the men who signed it knew it could be their death warrant. They weren't thinking of all the sins in the world and trying to correct all the sins in the world. They were trying to spare their own lives and the lives of their family and their friends and their relatives and all those who would become Americans. They weren't trying to rectify all the wrongs in the world. They were trying to establish a nation, one nation under God. The closing paragraph states in the declaration, he signed it, and for the support of this declaration, with the firm reliance of the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Hmm. Boy, did they have to live up to that. It's easy to parade around in our streets and be activists with no penalty at all. These people gave their lives for our freedom. Listen to what happened. The 56 founding fathers, 27 of them who were trained ministers. Let me repeat that. Of the 56 founding fathers, 27 of them were trained as ministers, took their pledge seriously. On the morning of the signing, there was silence and gloom as each man was called up to the table of the President of Congress to sign the document, knowing that it could mean their death by hanging. Of the 56 men, five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve of them had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolution Army, and another two sons were captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds of hardship of the war. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships sunk by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts and died in poverty. At the Battle of Yorktown, the British General Cornwallis had taken over Thomas Nelson's home for his headquarters. Nelson quietly ordered George Washington to open fire on his home. The home was destroyed and Nelson died bankrupt. John Hart was driven from his wife's side as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields were destroyed. For over a year, he had lived in forests and caves, returning home only to find his wife had died and his children had vanished. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion. That's the price that our forefathers paid so that you and me could sit in freedom, so that you and me can be in a church and freely worship God as we please, which you can't do in the majority of the countries of this world. Lives lost to maintain these freedoms over the years, according to the news, out of 243 years, of course, this was written in 2019 that I got this, we have been at war over 225 years. 1.1 million people have died since the founding of this country. This poll was taken in 2019. 
Well, now it's one thing to make a bold declaration in the comfort of our congressional meetings, but it's quite another to pay the price to fulfill that declaration on the field of battle, to pay with blood, yours, your families, and your neighbors. They weren't thinking about all those things, but let me say one more thing about something that's constantly in the news, and it's in the Bible, slavery. Our declaration, these men, as I just told you, under this great stress and the thought of dying and losing their family and their fortune and pledged it joyfully so that we could live in freedom. Yet they had, under the divine guidance of God, this thinking about all mankind spelled out in the Declaration of Independence in the second paragraph. These men under this duress, these men who lost everything, here's what they were thinking. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Where in the world did they get that kind of thinking from? And among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They also had the wherewithal in the Constitution of the United States, some of the greatest declarations ever, only second, or, or, second to the greatest one, that is the Ten Commandments. The second one, we believe, is the Constitution. In 1787, the 13th and 14th Clause, especially the 14th Clause, says that we are to treat all our citizens equally. These are the men who understood they lived in a wicked world and a wicked country, and yet God had his hand upon us, and they were going to make this a righteous nation. And it says, states can't favor men over women, whites over blacks, or heterosexuals over gays. I didn't know it said that in the early times. I think someone might have added that. And so... January 31st, 1865, less than a century. The Emancipation Act passed by these great men and women from all races, from all backgrounds, from all ethnic groups, pledged and gave their lives 500,000 people to make sure that what was stated in our Declaration of Independence and in our Constitution and our Bill of Rights, that all men and women would be treated equally. I want you to look quickly at what it says. The Emancipation Act passed on the passage of the joint resolution to amend the Constitution of the United States. The A's have it, 119, the no's, 56. The measure passed by the narrowest of margins with eight members abstaining. Only 16 Democrats, all but two lame ducks, joined the full slate of Republicans in approving this measure. History has it wrong. One more thing I want to show you. Let's look at other countries that you want to be so much a part of. Media, news, stars. Let's look at their record about this issue and women. In India, there are 18.4 million slaves in their country right now. China, 3.4 million to say nothing about its sex trafficking and slave laborers. And look how they treat women. I could name a lot of other countries. Africa has 9.2 million, with the majority being owned by blacks. America has, you guessed it, zero slaves in America. I'm proud to be an American. 
I'm proud that I was born in America, and I'm proud to uphold these truths that our founding fathers established this nation on under divine guidance. And women have the same rights as men. We're not a perfect country, but there's not one country in the world that can claim they're perfect and are doing things the right way. I'd still rather be an American. As we end, the benefits of freedom. Freedom to worship. While America did not have a Christian founding in the sense of creating a theocracy like Israel, its founding was deeply shaped, never forget it, by Christian moral truths. More important, it created a regime that was hospitable to Christians. I say this with no apology. You better wake up and smell the coffee and look at what party in this country, no matter how wicked it is, is hospitable to Christians and Jewish people and to our morals. Let me repeat that one more time. You must do that, believer. Look at who, even though they're wicked, even though the parties, even though the leaders are wicked, look who is hospitable to Christianity and to the Jewish people. Even wicked kings in the Bible, you can read the books, read Esther and look at the kings, even King Nebuchadnezzar, all the other kings who were hospitable to the Jewish people and let them rebuild their nation. Don't try to make them perfect. Just go along with what God is doing through wicked people and through righteous people. If you don't, you'll lose your rights right out from underneath your nose. Reading of the Bible, schools were the reason. Schools were established. You may not know this as we end. Harvard, the most prestigious school in the world, when people try to say this was not a Christian nation, was funded and founded, started in 1630 to train ministers. The early model of Harvard was Veritas Christo Ecclesia, meaning the truth for Christ and the church. The first 10 of 12 presidents were Christians. Princeton, Harvard, and many of our Ivy League schools, Yale, were started by Christians. Also, the freedom of speech. The benefits, we get to worship. Free speech. But do we really have free speech? Do you find yourself whispering when you shouldn't be? That's what some of the early believers did. They were whispering. Jesus said, listen, If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you when you stand before me, when you said you knew me, but you would not proclaim me. And some of these rights that we enjoy in America, if you you will continue to be silenced by the world, you're not reacting towards the wrongs in this country. You're just standing for what's right. If you don't, they're going to be stripped right out from underneath your feet. The world has a lot more to come at us, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the USA, and the Bill of Rights. I'm proud to be an American because they've, they've done a lot to make this a wonderful country. God has a plan for every nation. Every person is a sinner. Therefore, every nation is corrupt. However, some corrupt leaders became believers. Abraham, George Washington, who desired under the control of God to be an instrument in his hands, and God blessed them with all their imperfections. He made Israel, and he made the United States into a great nation. The gospel, greatly because of Israel, in the United States, has spread all over the world, preaching that people can be set free no matter what nation you live in. But remember, they weren't the nations sending missionaries all over the world so people could be set free. Who was doing that? Israel first, and then the United States of America. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And many people have been set free to worship God and look forward to His perfect kingdom here on earth. May God bless America so that we can continue to worship as we please and continue to spread the good news of the gospel. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I'm a very passionate person. That's my middle name. You've given me passion about everything, whether I'm playing sports or whether I'm even passionate about my marriage and doing right or raising my kids properly. And, and I detest sin and wrong and always ask you to forgive me. But thank you for the passion to live for you. The passion to see what's right and what's wrong. And I pray that you'll raise that passion in everyone here this morning. That they will be passionate about your kingdom. Passionate about setting people free. I remember Israel was captive. And you didn't try to change the regime. You came to set them free from the big regime, Satan's kingdom. And many, many were set free. Help us take a cue from that and begin to make a difference on our jobs and our neighborhood by taking the light of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and reminding people they can be set free and enjoy real freedom in the midst of a constant shifting society. They can have peace and joy even in the midst of terror Father if someone's here this morning and doesn't know you as Savior remind them about why you really established this country to share the gospel and I pray that this morning as the gospel has been shared that they will confess they're a sinner believe that Jesus died on the cross buried and was raised again and by calling on you whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved save them right now and then remind them to go public and to get baptized because you don't like closet Christians. You said we must come out and boldly proclaim you and identify ourselves with you. Make this a soul-winning church, Father, without a lot of fanfare. Please raise up men and women who will share the good news wherever they go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. 
We love you and God bless.